Witness protection can't erase his past. This is Nailgun Messiah, the first book in the Micah Reed series. One novel, read to you a chapter at a time. Join us each week for a new installment of the story and get the book at jimheskett.com forward slash nailgun podcast. And now, the host and author, Jim Heskett. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. I'm very glad you're here. I'm Jim, you're you, and that makes this the Nailgun Messiah podcast. The uh, serialized reading of Nailgun Messiah, the novel written by yours truly, Jim Heskett. This is the first episode uh, not released on opening day, so it's been a couple days since I've seen you guys. Did you miss me? I missed you. I, I hope you missed me. Uh, so welcome to the show, and I'm so because it's been a couple days, I'm gonna give everybody a recap before we start the reading. Now, if you're listening to these like in batch, like you waited and downloaded them all, that might be a little annoying to hear previously on Nailgun Messiah, um, but you'll get used to it. So before we get into the reading this week, I got a couple things I wanted to say. I used to know this guy who would say, "You should always say something before you talk." First is I wanted to break down the Micah Reed series because I don't I'm pretty sure I haven't done that yet uh, and tell you what all the books in the series are where they fall in the timeline. So there there is a timeline to Micah Reed and as you've probably seen bits and pieces he used to be somebody else and so this book the timeline of Micah Reed stories sort of match his life after he moves to Denver and we haven't gotten into things that happened before Denver yet. Um, I'm doing my best not to spoil anything here. But um, the uh, Nailgun Messiah is book one in the series, and book zero in the series is a novel called Airbag Scars, which you can get for free at jimheskett.com, J-I-M-H-E-S-K-E-T-T. You can get that for free on my website. So there's, in the chronology, there's Airbag Scars, then Nailgun Messiah, which is book one. Book two is a book called Sallow City, and then book three is a book called Blood Thief. And as of <clears throat> this recording, as of the date this airs, Blood Thief is in pre-order, but it's not available to purchase yet. Um, I mean, it's not available to read yet. You can purchase it, pre-order it. And uh, you can find all these books at jimheskett.com forward slash books. And then book four in the series, I'm currently in the production process. I'm writing it, and it's called Snitch. And that is a prequel. So that book takes place before even Airbag Scars. It takes place a couple years before that and delves into Micah's secret past. And that book, Blood Thief, comes out in June of 2016. And I'm hoping to have Snitch ready for September of 2016. That's the goal, and it's coming along well. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, I'm having a good time writing it. And so that is the chronology. So in... In chronological order, the books would go Snitch, Airbag Scars, Nailgun Messiah, Sallow City, Blood Thief. And while you can technically read them in any order because they're all self-contained, I would like people to read them in the order they're released because I think you get to see Micah change and grow over the course of the series. Um, but again, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Um, I mean, I am, but I can't make you do. I can't go out there and make you read those books in the order that I want you to read them in. 
So that's that. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up was that there's still time for you guys to enter the giveaway to um, have a character in my next book, which will be Snitch, um, not Blood Thief, because Blood Thief is already completed and, and just awaiting release. You can have a character in my book, Snitch, named after you. And you go to jimheskett.com forward slash contest and plug in your email there. And that does sign you up for my mailing list. But as we talked about last time, being on my mailing list is like being surrounded by fluffy kittens who just want to purr in your ear. So it's, it's a great time. Everybody loves it. So you enter that contest, and when you do, you confirm your email, and it gives you a URL that you share. And when you share that URL, for all of your friends that you sign up, you get additional entries in the contest, so you increase your chances of winning. And I've already got a male character and a female character picked out in the book whose names I will change to uh, one of them, names I will change to the winner. So that's pretty exciting. You could see your name in print. How cool is that? So I don't, I don't. I think the contest ends May 26th, 2016. Uh, if you're listening to this in the future, you can still go to jimheska.com forward slash contest uh, because I'll be running regular giveaways in perpetuity. Uh, is that the right word? I think, doesn't that word mean forever? I think it's a fancy way of saying forever. Anyway, I don't even know. Okay, anyway, let's get into what we came here to do because I know you guys are sitting there. Uh, you're sitting there or you're walking your dog or you're you're on the um, stair climber at the gym and you're going, God, Jim, stop trying to sell us stuff. Just read the freaking book. So previously on Nailgun Messiah, what we saw was Micah escape the clutches of Seth, the drug dealer, go to Netherland to meet with his sister and found out that she was living in this house with these strange people, including uh, the, the headmistress type woman, Lila. Um... Hannah and Garrett and Rodney and his sister Magda was there and Lila hit Magda across the face when she caught her when she caught when Lila caught Magda hugging Micah. And so as we pick up in this installment of the story, we know that Lila told Micah that he had to get a job. So now let's get into our reading. Micah waddled along the upstairs hall, his back aching from the springy and uneven bed, to find noises drifting from somewhere. The intoxicating aroma of roasting coffee colored the air and pulled his body down the stairs. On a table in the den, he noticed a rotary phone sitting under a lamp. Checking to see if anyone was spying, he crept to it and lifted the receiver from the cradle. He held it to his ear and got a dial tone, but then a second later a little click echoed across the line. He knew that sound. Recording device. Made sense that control freak Lila wouldn't allow any, wouldn't allow people to freely use this phone. She probably listened to every call. He couldn't trust it, so he couldn't use it. He hung up the phone and poked his head into the kitchen to find most of the housemates gathered around a table while Lila, wearing a pale pink apron, ladled voluptuous omelets onto the plates in front of each person. Fluffy yellow omelets overflowing with ham and cheese and avocado. Vegetarian, vegan, or carnivore, Lila said, grin on her face. So weird to see her smile, the way her face lit up and highlighted a set of kaleidoscopic eyes. Uh, carnivore, Micah said. The greasier the better. Lila pointed to an open chair with an empty plate on a cloth placemat. Micah sat as Rodney tore into his omelet. Across the table, Hannah picked at a mass of hash browns with her fingers, dipping chunks into a puddle of ketchup. Micah had never seen the meat like that before. 
Lila dropped the omelet and some hash browns in front of Micah, and Garrett slid the bottle of ketchup across to him. Micah noticed Garrett's eyes were dim like he was still sleepy. He must have gotten home from work only a few minutes ago. Micah hesitated, unsure how to react. Lila had slapped his sister less than 24 hours ago. He could still see the hint of a blue bruise on Magda's face. He longed to speak to her, to ask her if she was okay, but he knew that was impossible. He picked up his fork and held it above his food, pausing. His stomach grumbled, but if he ate the food, did that mean he was accepting this house and all its rules? Did he have any other choice? He took a bite, and right away he could tell it was the best damn omelet he'd ever had, egg and cheese perfection. Lila slid into a chair as she removed her apron. She caught Micah's eye. The first day I met Cyrus, she said, running her finger up and down the placemat under her empty plate. We both happened to be in downtown Denver. Micah checked the other breakfast eaters and everyone had stopped shoveling food to pay attention to Lila, intently waiting to hear what she would say next. This was over ten years ago now. He was on his way to the PAC, there to see a play or the opera. I forget which one. Some friends of mine and I were marching to the Capitol to protest the light rail expansion. She rolled her eyes and shrugged. We were positive we were going to stop them, but you can see how that turned out. Seeing Lila in such a cheery and conversational mood confused Micah. She'd been nothing but scowls so far. But since the other people at the table grinned back at Lila's comment, he did too. Anyway, Lila said, Our paths happened to cross at exactly the right time, literally, right there at Spear and Arapahoe. And the most amazing thing happened. A car was turning off Spear, and it made such a sharp turn that it cut off this other car. Almost wrecked, horns honking, tires screeching, smell of burning rubber. Everyone stopped what they were doing to gawk at the big event. Well, both of the drivers jumped out, started yelling at each other, rolling up their sleeves, the whole macho charade. Lila leaned in close, about to get to the good part. And one of them took a swing at the other, but this long-haired guy jumped in between them and took the punch in his chest. Then he spread his arms out, wouldn't let them get at each other. They kept at it, and even though Cyrus looked skinny, he was strong enough to keep the two men from attacking each other. Cyrus took a punch to get them to stop, and he just talked in that soothing way he has, asked them to think about what hitting each other was going to accomplish. In less than a minute, both of the drivers were shaking hands and going their separate ways. That's incredible, Rodney said, mouthful of eggs and cheese. Everyone else at the table seemed to be having the same reaction. Lila nodded. I knew then that he was different, that he could make a real change in the world, if only he had the right way to get his voice out. Micah forked some omelet into his mouth as Lila smiled at him, and he raised his eyebrows, trying to look impressed by the story. The hardware store owner sat across from Micah, his eyes flicking over Micah's application. His name tag read Walter. You live on Caribou Road, he said. Walter had a military square haircut and thick glasses, the kind that magnified his eyes into cartoonish orbs. Micah actually lived in a condo in the Lodo area of downtown Denver. But for the purposes of what he needed to do here in Nederland, he nodded. He didn't like lying to this man, but he had to remind himself that there was a greater purpose, leaving as little paper trail as possible. With Hannah and Magda, Walter said, musing, not as a question. There was a tinge of skepticism in his voice. 
Were the inhabitants of that house some kind of local phenomenon? Lila was such an imposing figure in her beautiful and scary way that she'd certainly make an impression on anyone whose path she'd crossed. Magda is my sister, Micah said, and hoped Walter wouldn't question him too deeply about their mismatched last names. Walter went on interrogating Micah about his work history, most of it fabricated. Micah had actually worked at a hardware store in high school during the summer between junior and senior year, but he'd been fired for drinking on the job. Everyone got sauced on the job at that hardware store, but Micah was the only one who drunkenly tried to drive a pallet loader down a narrow aisle and knocked over a rack of mini-fridges. Probably couldn't count on that job to supply a useful reference. While Walter gave him the third degree about his strengths, weaknesses, and his most embarrassing moment and what he learned from it, Micah stole a glance at the phone on Walter's desk. He needed to call Frank, but he also needed privacy, and his cell phone was now in Lila's possession. Didn't seem that Walter, the hardware store manager, would be willing to leave Micah alone in his office to use the phone, even if he got the job. We're hiring for the early shift right now. Six to three. Can you make it in before six every morning? Micah stifled a groan. Being an early riser was not his specialty, but he figured he might be here for a week, maybe two. However long it took him to convince Magda to get the hell out of town. What to do after that was a mystery to solve later. Sure, I can do that. We don't tolerate lateness, Walter said, and although he didn't wag his finger, Mike could tell he wanted to. Walter was stern but kind-faced like a high school guidance counselor. He went on to explain in detail the company's core principles of integrity and honesty and blah blah blah, and Micah tuned out almost immediately. His thoughts drifted back to the Bible reading he'd done last night, since it was the only book in the house, and he hadn't turned one of those ultra-thin pages since he'd been a teenager. He'd been amused to discover there was a book of Micah, and he recalled reading a verse about treading sin underfoot. He didn't know what it meant, but he liked the sound of it. Walter finished his speech and they shook hands as Micah's new boss instructed him to come back and start tomorrow. Micah eyed that phone one last time but didn't want to push his luck. He hadn't seen any payphones on the way to the hardware store, so he was going to have to come up with a better solution. Micah left the office and a few of the store employees with their green vests gave him welcoming smiles. Like it or not, he was part of their tribe now. He almost laughed realizing they had a regular, civilian-type job again for the first time in years. Working as a skip tracer at Frank's office in Denver wasn't quite the same thing. Out of the corner of his eye, he spotted a phone anchored to a wall near the plumbing section, black cord coiled underneath it hanging in space. Micah checked on Walter, who was scribbling in a notebook still at his desk. Micah casually strolled across the hardware store, taking long looks up and down the aisles of power tools and gardening equipment, pretending to take stock of his new workplace. Smaller than a big chain hardware store, maybe 20 aisles total and only two checkout lanes, with every spare inch of wall space and shelving stacked to the ceiling. Even though he appeared to be wandering, his path took him directly to that phone. He snuck up next to it, and with a last check around to make sure no one was giving him the eye, he lifted it from the receiver dialed the number while casting glances around. Frank? Micah, what's this number you're calling me from? I'm up in net and I don't have my cell phone. It's a long story and I don't have a good grasp on it right now. What are you grasping? Frank said. I don't follow. Take my word for it that things are more complicated than I first thought. I might need to be here a week or two. No problem, kid. 
How about you give me the Cliff's Notes version? My sister is involved with some people. There's something going on with them. There, there's some kind of movement, like a religion or some super serious group like that. I don't know much, but, but I need to get her out of here. It's not safe. I see, Frank said. Do whatever you need to do with that. She's your sister, so you know best. By the way, I've, I've been looking into that coke dealer, Seth, and he's on the warpath for you. Looks like getting out of town was the right play, since avoiding the cops is like your top priority. Is he coming after you? Frank scoffed. Don't worry about me. You handle your business up in hippie town, and I'll get in touch Get in touch with me when you can. Magda emerged from an aisle 50 feet down, and Micah realized if she looked this way, he'd be caught on the phone. Lila had told him no cell phones, but personal calls at work were probably also against the rules. Frank, I gotta go. Sure, kid. Make sure you get to some meetings up there. I know they have AA even up in those mountains. Go too long without a meeting and you're playing with fire. Okay, Micah said and hung up the phone. Magda caught a glimpse of him as he nestled the receiver into the cradle and she frowned. He marched in a straight line toward her as she unloaded an armful of paint cans onto a shelf. Enough of this silent treatment. He was going to figure out what the hell was going on around here and get some answers. When Magda noticed him hurtling toward her, she spun on her heels and disappeared back into the aisle. When Micah rounded the steel rack stacked with paint and varnish, she was bent on one knee, separating rolls of duct tape by color. Magda, will you talk to me? She shook her head. What is up with you? You live in this crazy house with all these rules. You let that woman hit you and you're not going to do anything about it? Magda kept her focus on the duct tape as she finished organizing the pile, but her lip trembled. We can talk about work, or we can talk about truth. Anything else is pointless. With that, she brushed past him, toward the front of the store. Magda had been mad at him since high school, but she'd never given him this kind of cold shoulder before. His little sister had always been the impressionable type, often joining social and political movements with sudden and fierce passion, but not like this. He'd never known her to get so deep into something before, and now he didn't know how to deal with it. Was she brainwashed by this Lila person? Micah had no choice but to leave her alone for now. He couldn't talk to her at the house, and he couldn't speak to her at work, but there had to be some other way to get through to her. To his left, little blonde Hannah appeared, passing between two aisles, and Micah hurried through to catch up with her, Hannah, he said as he navigated into the next aisle. She was holding a nail gun in both hands, which she slipped onto a rack on the shelf. She had to strain up on her tiptoes to reach it. When she was done with that, she turned to walk away from him. Wait, stop, he said. She paused but didn't turn to face him. Will you talk to me, please? What is going on with my sister? Can you tell me that at least? She craned her neck around to meet his gaze and her sad, baby-blue eyes held his own for a few seconds. Then, she shook her head and walked away. Okay, guys, that is our reading for this episode. I will see you all again in three days for the next installment. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. Uh, you guys have been gracious to give me your ears for a half hour or however long this episode was. I don't even know. And um, I'll see you soon. Okay, bye.
Thanks for listening to this week's instalment of Nailgun Messiah. Be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes and tell your friends about it. Don't deprive them of this show. Go to www.jimheskid.com forward slash nailgunpodcast for information. And we'll see you next week.